Hey, this is Austin Sindrick, and you're listening to Victory Lane. Drivers, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Welcome back, party people, to the place that everybody wants to be. You know what it is by now. It is Victory Lane. You might see from the episode title that we still have a guest this week. That, of course, is Austin Sindrick. But the time of this episode is shorter than usual, which I'm a little proud of myself for because I ramble a lot. But... As you probably know, this past weekend was Easter, so NASCAR was off, and pretty much all of the racing world was off. There was nothing really going on this weekend in the world of motorsports. I ate myself some matzah and some kugel, spent some time with some family, uh, but we don't have that much to talk about and to touch on. So on this show, you're going to hear from Austin Sindrick, driver of the number 22 Xfinity Series Ford Mustang for Team Penske. We're going to preview Talladega just a little bit and hit on some lug nuts. But, of course, we start every show the same way we always do. Buggity, buggity, buggity! Let's go racing, boys! So this is when I usually say the name of the race that we're going to recap, but in my heading, in my title, I wrote, Nothing Happened! Exclamation point. But I went to trivia this past week with some friends, and I got a question right that I was very proud of myself for. I actually think that I peaked, okay? So here's the question. While you, I want you to stew on this question while you listen to my interview with Austin Sendrick. There is one state in the United States of America that its state capital has zero matching letters to its state. Think about it and get back to me. So we're going to talk to Austin Sindrick now. Lots of people are not huge fans of him, and I can kind of see why by looking at him on the surface and some moves that he's done on the racetrack are a little bit questionable, but he was cool to talk to. I enjoyed speaking with him. Uh, we touched on a bunch of different things, but to give you a little teaser, we talked about continuity this year instead of switching teams back and forth all the time, driving everything under the sun from sports cars and IMSA to NASCAR, trucks, Xfinity, and hopefully dipping his toe in the Cup Series here in a little bit. Dealing with some backlash because of who his father is and Tim Sindrick working at Team Penske, uh, as well as kind of just people assuming that he's a silver spoon-fed kid, and focusing on the here and the now instead of looking forward or looking back. It was a solid chat. I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, I will throw it to myself, who will take it away. Austin Sindrick, sitting comfy on this hauler here. Thanks for taking some time, man. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. How do you like Bristol? Bristol's good. Uh, I don't think there's a driver in the garage area. He doesn't like coming to Bristol. Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely brings different challenges than a lot of other racetracks. Obviously, high banks, not a lot of time to rest or, or think with the, with the short straightaways being a half-mile racetrack, but uh, pretty crazy place. You've raced a bunch of different stuff in a bunch of different divisions, and I'll get to that later, but this track specifically, how difficult is it physically to manage this race car around the racetrack? You're not going to run 500 times like the Cup guys on Sunday, but it's no easy task. Yeah, I think racing is a lot about recovery time and, and, and muscle endurance, at least when you're thinking from a from a physical side. And, right. 
uh, you don't have any time to rest here. Your, your corners are probably longer than your straightaways here at, here at Bristol, and uh, these are some of the highest loads we we'll see anywhere. Um, like you said, the Cup guys have about 200 more laps than we do, and, and they've got a lot more downforce this weekend. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'll be pretty interested to see what see what the uh, what the Cup guys have to say after this one. So you're running this year full time in the 22 in the Xfinity Series. There's a lot to unpack there, but let's start there. Um, you ran a handful of races in this car last year, as well as a 60. Was it tough, first of all, balancing, going back and forth from team to team, different manufacturer, same manufacturer, different organizations, and now looking back on that, how nice is it to just be settled with this one group, this one cohesive unit? Yeah, continuity is huge, especially in my position as a young driver, trying to trying to figure out right versus wrong, and and really how to develop yourself uh, as a, as a team leader in in, in a lot of aspects, uh, but. But really, to be able to get the experience I had last year with jumping back and forth between the 22, the 60, and the 12, really being able to work with a lot of different people, uh, picking and choosing the, the right information to apply, and I, I think it's made me a better driver because of it. I, I definitely think it probably forced me into more mistakes last year than I've probably seen myself make in, in the course of a race season. But uh, like I said, I, I think I've developed a lot, a lot quicker as a driver than, than you know it probably showed. That's, I'm curious about that. Why do you think that? going from team to team helped you it seems like it, it could help you in one way but in another way it could say all right well now i gotta get used to this for this weekend and the next weekend i gotta remember what this crew chief likes to do here and this spotter says here probably the same spotter you, you see what i'm saying though from a performance side I, I definitely would agree that it's probably more of a compromised position but um if if you put a young driver in the best stuff his entire career and then the first time he gets in a cup car it's not the best thing in the world you know where do you start? Yeah. So I, I think for me, at least compared to guys in that situation, obviously that's an ideal situation as a driver. And if they're a good enough driver, they'll figure it out once they get to that level. But for, for me, I feel like I've gotten that um, experience earlier on in my career. I'm not saying that I'm done by any means. But uh, when it comes to disaster recovery and, and trying to trying to piece together a race weekend, I, I think I've – I know how to prevent it from going wrong in, in, in a couple a couple different ways because I've seen it go wrong. Uh-huh. Yes, you have, absolutely. Um, so like I mentioned off the top, you've raced a bunch of different cars in a bunch of different divisions in the U.S., out of the country. How does the Xfinity Series compare to everything else that you've done in your career thus far? Well, it's so different. I mean, anything with, with, with stock car racing, it's it's so hard to find a gauge whereas if i was sports car racing or rally cross racing you know you you're really racing the track you're you're racing the cars that you're in but there's so many other factors in in nascar racing uh that that depict your performance and your perceived performance versus what you know okay. about your own performance you, you can see guys like ross chastain you know not be in the picture and then he gets in a good car and he's developed himself enough as a driver in, in, in lesser equipment, and then he finally gets in something that's that's capable of winning, and there he is. I mean, he, it's not like he's a new guy to the series. Right. He's been doing this since I was since I started racing. I it's remember just the he, first time that people are actually seeing him run up front in a competitive car. Right, and you, and you don't find those guys until that, that opportunity comes. So obviously uh, the opportunity I'm in is, is a great opportunity, and he, here with Team Penske, and, and, and to be able to have that kind of an opportunity in my career, I've, I've definitely got to make the most of it, but but at the same time really develop myself and, and not you know, put too much pressure or, or rush the experience. That's what I was going to ask too. Um, since this is your first full year with this team, what are realistic expectations in terms of for you personally? Because I know the team is championship caliber. You, you, you've won races before, but in this series with this competition that's all around you, 
Is a realistic expectation for you to go out and win a championship? Is it to get to the Final Four? Where do you kind of assess that? Yeah, I feel like in today's day and age, you can't expect yourself to win a championship. You can expect yourself to make the Final Four, and whatever happens in that one race whatever at Whatever happens, happens. I mean, you would, you would have looked at last year and told you that Christopher Bell's hands down win the championship, yeah. and they had a bad race at Homestead and doesn't win the championship. So you look at that, I, I, think, I think I'm a driver, and I'm at a team that's capable of making a championship four. Um, obviously, I've been in that situation before, and I, I don't feel like uh, there's anything that would limit us from doing that. Now, as far as this season, I feel like we've gotten off to a, a solid start, but uh, I definitely think after last week in Texas, after you know Brad, Brad was able to get in the 12 car and, and we were really able to uh, understand the performance of our cars better, I, I think we've found a, quite a few opportunities for us to gain some speed on the bigger tracks and, and hopefully be able to work on that, that throughout the summer and get into playoff time and really hit the ground running. I'm not disparaging the Mustang by any means because I'm a four guy. I drive a Fusion, but you've drove some exotic cars in your time racing. Out of all the ones that car junkies would look at and be like, wow, that's badass. Could you pick one that maybe stands above the rest and that you drove that same man, that's really cool that I got to wheel that thing? Yeah, so, I mean, when it comes to car junkies, you got to look at a lot of the sports car stuff I've done. But I think some of the coolest projects I've been a part of is when you're developing a, a race car that's based off a street car. So when I... When I raced for Ford and Multimatic and IMSA in 2015, we developed the, the GT350 RC, which is basically the, the competition version of the road-going GT350R. And that car was basically made so we could have a rear wing on the racetrack. Now, I'm, wow. sure, I'm sure it was actually made like by plan, but <laughs> because it had a rear wing, it completely balanced out our car. So we, we basically, in the development process, in the homologation process of this car, it has this huge front splitter on the regular Shelby, but the R version has this rear wing. So we got a sweet rear wing on, on was basically a street car in a yeah. street, in a, from sports cars world, the road racing and street sock series. So, uh, so stuff like that's been really, really cool for me to be able to experience, especially at a young age, being able to develop race cars and, and really be able to apply that because I think it would have been harder for me to jump into NASCAR as quickly as I have without having that kind of prior experience. I was just going to say, I mean, when you were talking about that, your face lit up, you were smiling. This is the stuff that you're, you're passionate about NASCAR, no doubt about it, but this is the stuff that you kind of grew up doing and watching, and this is the thing that you love so much, right? Yeah, I love cars and I love driving. I mean, as, as far as series and format, you know, I, I, I do it all. Uh, my, my best opportunities there. You NASCAR. almost have done it all, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was talking to Riley Herbst today about uh, Baja 1000 because that's that's definitely on my bucket list. I want to do that one day, um, and, and obviously bigger races like Daytona 500, uh -huh. Indy 500, and Le Mans, and things like that. I mean, as a driver, those uh, for me that's my bucket list stuff. I want to be able to do it all. I want to be like the guys like AJ Foyt and Mark Donahue and, and Mario Andretti who who didn't matter what they got in they they, they went out and won they went out and were competitive and I'd love to see an opportunity where I could do that in this day and age it's not it's not that easy but uh, but in, in my small uh, small career so far that I've had I've been able to you know jump in those other series and be competitive win races and it's been a lot of fun and I, and I hope I get to be able to do that more in the future the road isn't straight it's windy but eventually I think we all get there uh, here at Team Penske, the Cindric name is obviously synonymous with the organization with winning. How cool is it to work with your dad? And when you walk into the shop, maybe you see Pop and say, "Hey, how's it going?" How cool is that? Yeah, it's it's cool. Obviously, he he'll be the first one to tell you that he tries to stay as far away from my program as possible. Um, just from from the aspect that I, I'm I'm his kid, right? And yeah. 
but but at the same time, I'm I'm here to do a job. I'm here to drive a race car. I'm here to represent Moneyline. I'm here to represent Team Penske and Ford Performance. And and I don't take that lightly. I don't think he does either. But um, I, I can't say from my competition side that I, I've interacted with him that much. Okay. Um, I've I've got a I've got a great support system with with, with guys like Travis Geisler and, and and Mike Nelson who do a great job on on the NASCAR side and uh, obviously if there's he'll he'll give me my two cents if if I've done something wrong yeah. or, or whatever it is but uh, that that relationships it's it's been a fun dynamic. I'm a, I'm honestly curious about this too because when especially in racing there's a lot of daddy's money out there right. Does it piss you off when people say to you or you see people talking oh he only has this ride because of his dad at Penske like. Does that honestly piss you off, or are you kind of numb to it by now? Uh, yes and no. Um, I think it's a double-edged sword because, perspectively, the, out of all the other professional sports there are, it's such a family sport. Exactly. You, you've got guys like Chase Elliott and, and Bill Elliott, Ryan Blaney, Ryan Blaney yep. um, Like <laughs> I could go down the list, all the petties. Like, Half the guys in the cup field had a, had yeah. a dad or uncle relative and, and, that's raced. And these are all people. I mean, even someone with a pretty similar situations myself is like Cole Custer yeah um, it, it's it's a family sport and it's where the passion's grown and um, for me I've been lucky enough to to grow up in the same house as the guy that you know finds the best drivers in the world to drive the best race car drivers in the world so I've been able to learn from those drivers and, and from that experience and, and and from being around that my entire life what what I need to do to put myself in the best position whether if it be in, in a team Penske car or or some some sports car somewhere, somebody else's NASCAR. I mean, it, that doesn't that doesn't come easily. You don't just the the door's not open for you. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I feel like as you've kind of matured throughout your NASCAR career specifically, you've maybe taken some of that criticism that people are saying he only has it because of his dad, and you've said, "All right, I understand you're going to say that, but at the end of the day, I know how I got this ride. I know I'm talented, and I know my dad. Like you just said right there, he kind of leaves you be and lets you do your own thing. So I mean." Earlier in your career, I'm sure that the haters might have gotten to you a little bit more than they do now just because of the maturity aspect of it. Yeah, this is a performance industry. The more you perform, the better things are. Absolutely. Um, you're very tall. You played basketball, didn't you? Uh, when I was very young, when it was still okay. worthwhile being tall. Well, how, how young were you when you stopped? I was probably in fourth grade when I stopped playing basketball. Okay, so like, a like, at a, like at a... Competitive level, other yeah. than other than gym class. Okay, gotcha. So I mean, like, you're one of the taller guys in the NASCAR garage. Do you have Do you ever play pickup with some guys here and there back home in Charlotte or whatever? And do they? I feel like if they were playing pickup with you, you'd be one of the first picks just because of your height. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I have a couple times. Uh, Chase Briscoe and I've played a couple times, and Austin Dillon has a charity basketball yeah. tournament every year. Uh, my problem is I can't shoot. And that's that's a key aspect of, of the game man, of basketball. Huh? Okay. So I can rebound really well. Uh -huh. I can do layups. Uh, the rest, I can defend. The rest is, I, and I, I try real hard. <laughs> I try real hard. But uh, the rest of it, man, I, I'll stick to driving. All right. Well, I guess basketball is not for everybody. Racing is not for everybody either. But you, like I said, done a very good job so far last season and within your NASCAR career. You talked about the realistic expectations for this year. Championship or bust is not the mentality because once you get to Homestead, it's anybody's game and we've seen what can happen. But Final Four, that is a goal for you. In terms of running up front week in and week out, you have done it in the past. Is that something that you guys are working on moving forward in terms of not only starting up front, running up front, but finishing races, the kind of three-pronged, three-stool approach type of thing? Yeah, no doubt. I think I think we've been able to run you know, consistently 
you know, fourth to fourth to seventh all year, and um, that's. I mean, there's a lot of guys in the 40 car field that kill to do that, but I, I want to go out and run races yeah. every weekend. So, figuring out what I need to do from my end to make that possible, and and obviously from my feedback and and, and from the team side, what what can we do to grow ourselves throughout the year? And uh, it's a long season. That's that's such a hard thing to to remind yourself as you look back at past races, rewatching past races, and you realize what your mental state was. Yeah. You know, your first couple of Xfinity races in in 2018, you realize how far along the road it is i mean i talk about the summer the summer feels like you really get into the grind of things and 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 it changes either for better or for worse and uh i'm i'm looking forward to to seeing what that growth and development looks like by the end of 2019 and and what the storyline holds see you on the basketball court austin sindrick thanks so much for the time thank you appreciate it there he is austin sindrick ladies and gentlemen hope you enjoyed my conversation with the xfinity series driver the number 22 team penske Ford Mustang. I enjoyed chatting with him. Hopefully we'll be able to do it again sometime soon. Looking ahead to Talladega Super Speedway. Kerry Murphy and Toby Chrissy, if you're listening, I'll give you a little bah. Geico 500, Sunday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Fox, not Fox Sports 1. 2.66 mile Super Speedway. I wrote blah in my notes again, Kerry and Toby. The biggest track on the NASCAR circuit by miles. Yeah, I did that math in my head. I'm so good at math. This is one of the most fun races of the season. It always is. Joey Logano won it last season for his first win of the year. And I was listening to another podcast this week, and Adam Alexander of Fox Sports pointed this out. So last year's champion, obviously Joey, he did not win a race in his championship year until this week last year. So he was basically saying... Look, even though Kyle Busch is dominated, Denny Hamlin has a couple wins, Team Penske is really, really strong, he thinks that we have not seen our champion in 2019 grace victory lane in the Cup Series yet. I thought that was a little thought-provoking, So, and then he pointed out that stat, and I said, huh, maybe it's not that weird to think that a champion for this season has not really won yet. I mean, who knows? Kevin Harvick hasn't won a race yet. Clint Boyer could come out of nowhere and try to win this championship. He hasn't won a race yet. Uh, Penske and Gibbs, that is all that it has been this season in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. But Talladega, it is anybody's game. It is a crapshoot. All the cliches are on the table, and all the cliches are frankly true. But I still think that we will see Penske and Joe Gibbs racing up front. Um, Truex, Martin Truex Jr., he broke his streak of no wins at a short track. He was 0 for 80. He's never wanted a restrictor plate track either. Um, but this is also not a restricted play track anymore, LOL. Uh, we call it tapered spacer racing now. So I'm not going to get into the weeds on what that means in terms of aerodynamics and speeds and all that mumbo-jumbo, but here's some questions that we're going to be stewing on throughout the weekend. Are we going to see the return of tandem racing? Are we going to see higher speeds? If those speeds are indeed higher, is NASCAR going to force adjustments on the team's mid-race weekend? We've heard all of these rumblings throughout the last couple weeks throughout the NASCAR garage. I've read a bunch of stuff, watched, and listened to a bunch of stuff as well. It seems like most of the drivers think that tandem racing is going to be a thing. And personally, I'm here for it because I really did enjoy the tandems when they were you know, in the 2010-2011 era. I was actually at the Talladega race with my dad in the stands. When it was that three wide, two by two by two photo finish, and Jimmy Johnson beat Clint Boyer by just a nose. Uh, I want to say that was like two one thousandths of a second, something like that. So, look, man, I'm here for tandem racing. Um, I think it'd be cool to see it again and create a lot of buzz, and it'd be an entertaining show. 
And Talladega always brings that. So be sure to tune in this Sunday, 2.30 Eastern on Fox. Lug nuts of the week! Cue the music. But we'll kind of bring the music down because this is a bit of a sad lug nut of the week. Brenda Jackson, she passed away at the age of 65 years old. She was the mother of Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt Miller. She was a fixture in the NASCAR garage for the last couple decades or so. And she's been also a fixture at Junior Motorsports. Dirty Mo Media put out an incredible tribute video. I really highly encourage all of you to go watch that. Uh, so rest in peace to Miss Brenda. Thoughts and prayers out to the entire family there. Jagger Jones is going to race in the Nora 1000 with Don the Snake Prudhomme. I don't really know too much about off-road racing or uh, the snake, Don Prudhomme, as he is. I know that he was a very successful and accomplished drag racer. So Jagger's not going to be spending his spring break drinking and getting girls in Miami. He's going to spend it uh, out in the desert racing. Dale Jr. and Clint Boyer, you guys see this on Twitter over the weekend? They shared shotguns. Um, no, not like actual guns. They were shotgun and beer because Clint was on Dale Jr. Download the podcast and he basically was like, come on, even though it's 10 a.m., let's shotgun some beers. And Dale was like, no, I want to do it. I don't want to shotgun no beer at 10 in the morning. So that was a really bad Dale Jr. impression. Sorry. But anyway, so Clint was on vacation, seemed like with Kyle Larson's family. So he got, um, he got Kyle Larson's wife to shotgun with him, and then Junior fired back and shotgunned at Budweiser in a shop, so that was pretty cool. Speedway Motorsports Incorporated, they announced on Wednesday that it has received a non-binding proposal from Sonic Financial Corporation to acquire all outstanding shares of common stock other than those already held by Sonic. Okay, so what does that exactly mean? I don't know, <laughs> but I read Bob Parker's Twitter because he obviously knows everything, Essentially, what everybody is thinking this means is that SMI, the Smith family, they want to acquire everything in their company to be able to have more control to move dates around in 2021 and beyond. So for the fans that are listening, I think this is good for you. I think this is good for everybody within the sport because it, we will be able to see more fluidity and flexibility within the schedule. So I think that'll be solid. That'll wrap things up for episode 8 of Victory Lane 2.0. Told y'all it was a short and sweet one. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Austin Sindrick. Please do me a favor, as I always tell you to, rate, review, subscribe. We are on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. We have it all going for us here on Victory Lane, as we do every week. So I tell you, peace and love. Keep eating your matzo party, people. And I will talk to you next weekend as we recap Talladega.